0: just pray that you give me the words to speak, Father, as we share your word. And just thank you, Lord, again for each one here. And lead and guide us this day. Help us to use it wisely in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the past two weeks, Pastor Joe has been covering a series from Hebrews 12 entitled Characteristics of a Healthy Church Member. And as we listened to those messages, we were challenged and exhorted to be healthy church members here at Lakeside, but seventy-five years from now, when we've all completed our journey in life on this earth, what will people remember about us? Will they remember a healthy church member of Lakeside? Will we be remembered like courageous David who stood up to a giant in his life, our faithful Daniel who survived a night with hungry lions? are like disobedient Jonah who tried to run away from God when God directed him to do something in his life. Some well-known people whose time on earth has ended are remembered, including Corey ten Boom, a survivor of the Holocaust, lost her whole family, and yet she stood strong in her faith. Charles Schultz, anybody remember anything about him? Who is he famous for? Peanuts, I know if I'd ask uh, some of the millennial group, they'd have no idea, or maybe they would, but we remember him as the author of Peanuts, Billy Graham, remember all the ministry he's had with presidents, with those uh, that he's had interaction with over the years he was here on this earth, Sam Walton, Richard Nixon, we remember him, right? Vince Lombardi. anybody remember Vince Lombardi in the sports uh, arena? OK. So when we mention those names, we kind of remember some things about them, but they're not here anymore. Historical church figures we study and remember. We think of Hudson Taylor, a missionary to where? China. George Mueller ran an orphanage where? In England. The orphans that were from the war that had no place to go, and he ran the orphanage totally on faith. In fact, they would gather at the table and they would pray and thank God for the food, and it wasn't there. And what do you know, as soon as they were done praying, there was some food coming in out of nowhere. Who was directing all that? God was, in the life of George Mueller. Dwight Moody, founder of Moody Church, an evangelist, famous for a quote, Character is what you are in the dark. (laughs) It's one to think about. Bible characters are thought of as we study their lives in God's Word with certain qualities. For example, when we think of Joseph, what do we think of? Anything? Pardon? Okay. Okay. When he had a chance to get back at his brothers, he what? What? He forgave them, didn't he? Because God's plan was overriding any of their plans to get rid of Joseph. I was studying, and I've been looking through the Old Testament, Abigail, who showed perseverance and endurance. She was married to Nabal, the fool. That's what his name meant. That would be tough, living with someone like that. And that story is in 1 Samuel 25. Or was Solomon. What do we think of Solomon? Wisdom. Wisdom. And we have that example. Remember the two women who came and they both wanted the baby. and, And he said, okay, then just cut the baby in half. And what happened? The real mother said, let her have the baby. Spare the life of the baby. So that wisdom that he asked for from God, he received. Gravestones are reminders of someone who passed away with certain memories, sayings about them. Here's what one said, If I could do it all again, I wouldn't change a thing. That's their thought. Mel Blanc, the voice of many cartoon characters, including Porky Pig, has on his tombstone, That's all, folks. That's what he put. Martin Luther King's grave says, Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty I'm free at last. In my own life, I remember people who have been great mentors and taught me by example. My grandfather was a prayer warrior, and every week he would go to the pastor and he would ask for a list of things to pray for. And I remember going up the narrow stairway up to the second floor and hearing him pray before God, all those needs that that pastor had brought and also needs in the family. And I remember one time I was up, I guess I was eavesdropping. I think I was about nine or ten, but I was listening, didn't want to interrupt. But I remember one time my grandfather saying, and he said, God, please speak to my grandson's heart that he would consider ministry at some point in his life. And I thought, oh, no, no, not that. No, anything but that. I remember that. And I remember how dedicated he was to praying. I have a father who's 92 now, but I always remember something I learned growing up, integrity in his business. If somebody wasn't happy with the carpeting, in fact, they said, I want a different color, he would change that. Carpeting at all and the cost to him. And then I also remember a boss growing up, his name was Cliff, and when I was working at a grocery store, here's the boss, and he was bagging groceries beside me. And I remember how much that spoke to me that here's a boss who's lowering himself to the to a bagger and working alongside. And what example that was to me. And I think if we all shared, if we all had time to share, we'd, we could share how people have influenced our lives, how we've had mentors in our lives who have had an impact on our lives, and how we remember those things throughout our life. Well, this morning we're going to look at a Bible character who lived out his life one day at a time. His focus each day was to give in life and to live a life where he would be remembered in in a certain way. And his name is Enoch. And his story is recorded in Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. Very front part of the Bible. And we see in Genesis 5, and we're going to look at specifically a couple of the verses, 22 and 24. We're going to look at in detail. But Enoch lived his life in the way that he wanted to be remembered. Not that he was perfect, but he did some key things in his life on a daily basis that we need to look at. And we need to look at our own lives and see, too, if these things are true in our own lives. We're going to look at three ways that To live, to accomplish this goal of living in a way that we want to be remembered. Three ways we're going to look at. But we're going to look here specifically now at Genesis chapter 5, beginning of verse 22. And we're in the middle of a genealogy where we hear about how somebody lived this long, they had children, and then they lived this much longer. And we notice in this whole passage, this whole chapter, they lived a long time. They lived into their 800s. And that's a long time, isn't it? Can you imagine living to be 800, 850? And of course, Methuselah, 969, almost a thousand years. (laughs) I can't imagine what the family reunions were like. How in the (laughs) world would you keep track of everybody? All the great, great, yes, you would go down so many great, great, great This was all, of course, before the flood, wasn't it? This was early on in in our history as human beings. Genesis chapter 5, and we'll actually pick it up here in verse 21. And we're picking it up with Enoch. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah, who lived the longest, 969. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The first way that we should be living as to how we want to be remembered is by walking with God. Walking with God. We just read that here in the beginning of verse 22. It says, And Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. Then we see in verse 24, Enoch walked with God. Walk means to go forth on a journey, to step diligently, carefully, and with perseverance. It's a step-by-step fellowship, a daily communion with God. This word is used numerous times in the book of Genesis. Genesis 3.8, it says, They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And in Genesis 6.9, these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. And in Genesis thirteen seventeen, as God told Abram the land he would give him, "'Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you.'" And then in Genesis 17, 1, as God spoke to Abraham, "'Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, "'I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless.'" So this is walking on a journey, getting up every day and doing something, some sort of action in their our lives. The same word walk is used numerous times in the Psalms. Psalm one: how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Psalm 12.8, the wicked strut or walk about on every side. Psalm 15.2, he who walks with integrity and works righteousness. And of course, Psalm 23.4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm reminded of the words to an old hymn entitled, He Walks With Me. Have you ever heard that one? And I love that. And as I was studying this and studying through Enoch here in Genesis, these words reminded me of what Enoch was doing. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And He walks with me and He talks with me. And He tells me, I am His own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks and the sound of His voice is so sweet The birds hush their singing. And the melody that He gave to me within my heart is ringing. And He walks with me and He talks with me and He tells me I am His own. And the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. I think that's a good reminder how we should wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I look forward this day to walk with You. Show me what you want me to do. Help me to speak to those you want me to speak to and help me to live a life that honors you. I had a friend in Colorado named John who ran the Pikes Peak Marathon every year. Everybody know about Pikes Peak? Is that just a little hill? No, it's over 14,000 feet in elevation. And he ran it every year. And he told me the challenge wasn't running up but running down because there's a lot of loose gravel on that trail. And when he would run down, he had to run up and then back down. That's That was the whole run. So when he get to the top and turn around, when he would be coming down, he had to yell, trail, trail. And you know what that meant? Get out of my way. <laughs> because if I slip on the gravel, if I'm not watching my walk my, where I'm stepping, I could slide right off the side of the mountain. And, of course, that wouldn't be good. Get all scraped up and possibly die, but get severely injured. So we need to walk diligently. Watch where we're going. And if we're coming down the side of a mountain, yell, trail, trail. Not only so you don't run into somebody, but so you don't go off the side of the mountain. How must we be careful in our daily walk? Do we need to be careful in our daily walk? Need to be careful where we go, don't we? We need to be careful who we hang out with. We need to keep focused on obeying God in His Word, and we need to keep our priorities right. Walking with God includes keeping our divine appointments every day, and I believe everyone here God lines up divine appointments for. Do we keep them? Do we acknowledge them? Do we respond to them? Or do we just let them pass by? But we have divine appointments God has for us. Those interactions God has coming our way, whether it's at our workplace, whether it's within our homes with family members or that random encounter with someone or at Publix, that brief interaction with a neighbor, our stranger, our person we know at Lakeside, divine appointments that God has set up for us to encourage someone, witness to, thank them, sometimes to exhort them, but also sometimes to put our arm around them and say, I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for you right now, and if there's something I can do, this is the second part, if there's something I can do, tell me. Say, oh, I don't know about that one. If we ask them to tell me, what if they tell me something? (laughs) But we all need each other to walk in this life with everything going around, all around us. And did Enoch have a great place to be? There were a lot of things going on because what was going to happen down the line Remember how many were saved from this earth when Noah was around. It was him and his family out of all of the world, the only ones obeying and trusting in God. Enoch here, though, was walking with God. And what an outstanding testimony he has. We only have one opportunity to walk with God on this earth. When our time is up, God calls us home, there's no redos. There's no time to say, well, God, give me another day. Give me another year. Our time is done. So that's why in Scripture it tells us what? Redeem the time. Value it. Use the time you have wisely. There's an old song by Ray Bolts. And again, when I give these words, I'm not going to sing them. I might do the melody a little bit, but I'll try to hold back. But there's one by Ray Boltz called Thank You. And that's a reminder of the lives we touch. We so often say, I don't see it, but God sees it. And it is important. Here's what it says. I dreamed I went to heaven and you were there with me. We walked upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing, then someone called your name. You turned and saw this young man, And he was smiling as he came. And he said, "'Friend, you may not know me now.' And then he said, "'But wait, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart, "'Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed.' Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Then another man stood before you and said, Remember the time a missionary came to your church and his pictures made you cry? You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. One by one they came, far as the eyes could see, each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made unnoticed on the earth, in heaven now proclaimed. That's a reminder. We don't know how God's using us in all the situations we run into. He might be preparing us to be an encourager to somebody down the line who's going to go through something similar. And so that we can empathize more with them and pray more specifically for them sometime down the line. God has us going through something. But however he uses each day, we need to be saying, Lord, thank you. I know Pastor Steve has spoken many times about being thankful even for the trials, even for the suffering, because those all have a purpose And Romans 8.28 says what? Some things work together for good. All things. If we really believe that, if we really believe God's in control, everything that comes in our lives we can be thankful for. So Enoch got up in the morning, ready for the day, trusting God as he walked with him, taking it one day at a time, having another opportunity to have faith in God. The second way that we can be living a God-pleasing testimony is found in Hebrews 11, 5, and 6. The second way is this, by living a God-pleasing testimony. Look with me over Hebrews chapter 11. We talk a little more about Enoch. And so we want to get this insight as well. Hebrews 11, of course, the chapter of faith. So many examples of those who followed God. Some of them cost them their lives. But we get some insights in Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6 on Enoch that we don't have specifically here in Genesis. We look at both of these. Hebrews 11, verse 5, shares the following. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The phrase we want to look at is at the end of verse 5. Because it says there, For he obtained the witness... That before his being taken up, what? He was pleasing to God. He had a testimony for the Lord. He was living a God-pleasing testimony. Enoch's life and testimony was pleasing to God because he was walking in faith with God. As it pointed out there in verse 6, we can't please God without faith. And we show that faith by obedience in God. Dr. Homer Kent, a theologian and commentator, shares this. No one can please God in the biblical sense without faith. To please God is to walk before Him in uprightness and obedience, to respond to His overtures and trust His guidance. Enoch had a God-pleasing testimony, again, in a corrupt world, a world that was heading toward God's judgment in which the whole world would be judged except for Noah and his family. John MacArthur shares Enoch walked with God for 300 years. And the implication is he was walking in communion with God. He had that close relationship with God. That would be true since salvation is permanent. But I think it's more than that. I think he pleased God. You don't roll out of bed and end up pleasing God. It's intentional. It's something you pursue. It's a passion. The New Testament often calls it walking in the Spirit. It means waking up in the morning and not only saying, Lord, thank you for waking me up, but I'm excited to walk with you, to serve you. Use me for your glory, for your honor. Living a God-pleasing testimony, walking in the Spirit, means our lives please God. Third John 4 tells us walk in truth. And walking in truth, is that what the world does? No. So are we going to stand out? Are we going to maybe take some criticism for walking in truth when they say, Hey, you can fudge a little on that. It's not really a lie. Just go along with it. After all, everybody else is doing it. But we walk in truth. Romans thirteen thirteen, it says, Let us behave properly in the day. Walk in honesty. Again, that's not the world's way. That's God's way. And if we want to have a testimony that's pleasing to God, we will walk in honesty. Ephesians 5.2 says, And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Walking in love. And walking in love means what? We just think about ourselves. We'll say, well, if I have time, or maybe I'll get around to it. Y'all have heard the acronym joy, right? Who's first? Jesus. Others. And where are we? Oh, wow. You know, we don't like that one quite as well, do we? We want to be first so often. Because why? We get the influence from the world that says, no, no, you're number one. Not Jesus, others, you. It's you. All about you, and that's not true. We have so little time, really, on this earth. If we live... Hundred years, we think that's a long time. These were living in their 800s. Methuselah was 969. They were living very long lives. And then we talk about 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years. It's not much compared to that, isn't it? So every day is important. Every day is an opportunity to walk with the Lord. It also says in Ephesians 5:8, we're to walk in light. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What does that mean? Doug, what have we said sometimes at Pinellas County Jail? The goal is that others might see... We tell the men there that others might see a glimpse of Jesus in us. What does that mean? So that God is working on their heart and they see that it's real because they see a real person showing a glimpse of it to them. All of us are either given a glimpse of Jesus to others or we're giving a glimpse of what? Satan, Satan, the world. And they get all that, don't they? But when God can use us as light... In a dark place. That light can illuminate very quickly. And we are children of light. Because we have communion with God. Enoch had communion with God daily. As he was walking with him. As his testimony showed. Every day we ask God to lead us. And there is an inmate named Joshua. Who shares this. That I want to share with you. And this is what. He said as he was struggling in his bunk in a jail in Millen, Georgia, the correctional center there, here's what he says, Show me the way. I awaken in this lonely place day after day. Sometimes I wonder how life ended up this way. Every second I spend in this dark cell wondering if I'll ever leave this cold jail. I think of my family and loved ones at home and realize this is not where I belong. I roll out of my bunk, get down on my knees. I close my eyes and bow my head and ask, God, please, forgive me and come into my heart. I ask you, Lord, to lead me in a new start. I thank you, God, for your saving grace and love. For there is no love like the good Lord above. Tears of joy I will now cry. All my fears I kiss goodbye. I'll continue to wake in this place day after day. But I'll not be alone or cold, and darkness will not prevail. I've asked God's forgiveness and to be released from my mental hell. I ask you, Lord God, please show me the way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's a real people. Right. Except for the grace of God, any of us could be behind bars for making one mistake. But when God gets a hold of their hearts, they have a love for God that they can show to those around them, those, those fellow inmates that are locked up. While serving at Pinellas County Jail, working with inmates, I was always amazed how God used different men in the pods of cells in different ways. I remember one young man God used to begin a Bible study. He just started studying his Bible and one man came over and said, what are you doing? And he said, well, that looks interesting. And they read that. And pretty soon there was a group that were reading the Bible. And of course, God uses His Word, doesn't He, to speak to hearts. I remember another man started leading a prayer group and The last I had heard, there were prayer groups in different cells, different groups of men that would spend part of the day praying, not only for themselves, but for one another. I remember one man acted as a mediator when fights broke out, and God used him to break the fight up. All examples of men who were living God-pleasing lives while paying for crimes they had committed. God wasn't through with them, but using them for His glory where they were. How is our testimony right now? Is it God-pleasing or not? And if not, what changes does God's Word challenge us to do? And of course, God causes the permanent changes from the inside out. Whether we like it or not, we have a testimony to those around us. It's either God pleasing or God dishonoring. How do our testimonies reflect Christ to others? Here's a few ways patience over anger. <laughs> Drive down the streets when they're crowded, and I heard on the news this morning they said in the next five years they're going to double the traffic. <laughs> I know I'm working on that every day. Love instead of hate. Exhorting one another instead of judging. Third way that we're going to look at in living how we want to be remembered is by stepping heavenward, not earthbound. By stepping heavenward, not earthbound. Look back with me at Genesis chapter 5. And we'll look back at that passage. We must practice what God's Word tells us to do in Matthew six, nineteen to 21 It says there we're to lay up our treasures where? Not down here? Not have a bigger pile than our neighbor? Oh, somebody else got a new car. Well, we got to get a newer car. No. Up in heaven. What are some of those treasures up in heaven? We talk about them laying up treasures in heaven. What are those? Save souls. Pardon? Save souls. Save souls. Anything, you do is Anything that you do is Christ like? Missionaries. Send missionaries? Feed the poor? Feed the poor. Acts of obedience. obedience, acts of obedience. We're testimony, aren't we? People are watching us. Once they, once we say, "Well, I'm a Christian. I have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ," they start watching, don't they? What well, when, what when troubles come up? Should they see anything different than the world? Throwing our hands up in the air, say, "Oh no, can't handle this." But who can handle it? God can. We just have to be trusting Him, obeying Him, looking to His Word looking to other believers as well for encouragement. Enid woke up in the morning ready to walk with God, have communion with Him, keep Him number one in his life, and having the privilege to serve Him on this earth. Do we? Do we count it a privilege to live another day on this earth and represent the King of Kings, to be mentored by God through His Word and other believers? And to mentor those when we have an opportunity to do so. One day as Enoch living a testimony pleasing to God, God squeezed Enoch's hand a little tighter and this man stepped through heaven's gates. Can you visualize that? It was just a normal day walking with God. And one day, it says God took him, he, he pulled him into heaven with him. There was also another man in the Old Testament, in Second Kings 2, who didn't die on this earth. Remember his name? A prophet named Elijah. And doesn't say he was walking with God and suddenly God took him. How did he leave this earth? Fiery chariot. And Elisha was watching, wasn't he? And he said, now the mantle is being sent to you, Elisha, because Elijah was leaving this earth. But he went to heaven in a fiery chariot. If we're preparing for heaven on a daily basis, our priorities will show it. And some of the ways our lives will show it, we reflect Jesus to others. We use grace, we practice grace instead of judgment. And then, of course, according to Galatians 5, we're showing in our lives what? Fruit of who? Of the Spirit. That's quite a list. One day during Enoch's 365th year on this earth, he was young in those days, he was gone, disappeared. 57 years after the death of Adam, 69 years before the birth of Noah. There's Enoch. One day he's walking with God, he's got a testimony everybody can see, and he's gone. He's up in heaven i reminded again of what Corey Ten Boom said a few months before her time on this earth was done. I've learned not to hang on to things too tightly because it hurts when God has to pry my fingers loose. It's a good exhortation for us because we, the world can get us to hang on to the wrong things. God says, hang on to me. When Genesis says God took him, the word described took is the Hebrew word describing a sudden disappearance. Was there one minute or one moment and gone the next? Enoch is a model of faith, walking with God, with a God-pleasing testimony, being rewarded with eternal life. Here's what one man, Eugene, Serving time in Rayford, Florida shares. And he entitles it my legacy. How will I be remembered? What kind of life did I lead? Did I help society or did I beg and plead? Did I guide my family? Did I show them the way? Did I instill sound morals or leave them bills to pay? What will people say? What will my name display? Was I a godly person or will they be glad I'm gone? This earthly life, we have only one. When it's all over, what will you have done? How will you be remembered or do you even care? Will you be remembered for good or as one who feared to dare? Your life's legacy is not just about you, but it's also about honor God's blessed gift to you can we thank God enough for what Jesus did upon the cross can we pay back that is our goal every day to say Lord I love you you love me first I want to serve you today use me for your honor and your glory and God hears that prayer and he does answer it I don't know if you have ever heard this song? But I'm going to share with you. Again, I'm not singing. This world is not my home, and I love the words. Anybody ever heard of it? Well, we could actually sing it, maybe. No, no, we won't. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I have a loving mother just over in glory land, and I don't expect to stop until I shake her hand. She's waiting now for me in heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore." Just over in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We shouldn't feel at home here because we're ambassadors for the Lord who saved us. We're His. We have that opportunity every day as we see here in the life of Enoch to walk with God, to live a testimony for him that's pleasing to God and then to be stepping heavenward. We're looking toward heaven that could happen at any time. Wanna close with some questions for all of us. If my time on earth ended today, how would I be remembered? If I could change anything about my daily walk with God what would it be? And one final question, how do I want to be remembered? Let's bow in prayer. Father God, thank You for the life of Enoch. He walked with You, Lord, one day at a time. left a testimony for us, but that He had a life that was pleasing to You. May our lives be pleasing to You today and every day. We're here on this earth. Father, there's so many needs around us, so many opportunities to share the gospel with those around us. May you lead and guide each one here to the unique opportunities that each of us have. That we might be responsive, you might give us the words to say, but Father, we we might walk with you one day at a time. As every day Could be one day will be our last day here on this earth. Use us for you, Lord. Help us to be your servant in every way. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.